Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Isn't my wife beautiful? She's fantastic. Uh, marriage course, guys, please come to that. If you're on the fence, trust me, do it. Don't isolate. Get around other couples. They're going through the same things you are. The stuff you're struggling with, there's probably four other people struggling with it. Don't let the enemy come in and isolate your mind to think you shouldn't go to that. Um, I'm mostly excited about it because we're all going to go to Germany and go to that cottage <laughs> together. I felt that in the room. Uh, just kidding. That is not a part of it. But location, uh, I'm sure they'll talk about it soon. It's going to be great. Uh, it's a really cool spot um, with nature and awesome stuff. Thank you guys for doing that. Really excited about it. Um, We'll be talking more about that um, in the weeks to come. Speaking of marriage, next week, Stacy's going to bring the word. She's going to give a sermon next week. I'm super excited about that. She's going to start doing that about once a month. We're both thrilled about her doing that, really excited about it. And then if you need to get in shape before the marriage retreat, Holy Spirit Yoga and Pilates. Uh, also very excited about that. We'll give more details on all of that stuff to come. And that is exciting. I'm going to jump right in. Well, I want to give a sermon today on forgiveness and overcoming bitterness because of the Saints game on Sunday. <laughs> We're going to just declare forgiveness towards the referees. Is the mood in the room, is it, even, is it too painful to even talk about? I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about that. And for those of you who are tired of football jokes, there'll be no more football jokes for like six months. Football is going away. Uh, so there will not be that point of connection. God, we forgive the referees and Roger Goodell and the NFL. And we just say next year we're going to – we just do pray that Drew Brees will never age. And just like Enoch. Yeah. No, awesome. Well, cool. I think I know everybody in the room. My name is Landon. Super excited for you guys to be here. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump right in. Really excited about this today. I, I do have something on my heart that uh, is a big, big um, stake in the ground of who we are here at Cedar House, and um, something we will always talk about. And we're gonna um, open that up today. I'm gonna talk to you about um, avoiding toil and finding rest. Avoiding toil and finding rest. Uh, sorry, I'm. Say one more thing. Every time I feel the presence of God really strong on me like I did in worship, I seem to get a little blurry. So if I start talking about anything in the middle of the sermon, just try to track with me the best that you can. Uh, my attention doesn't get more precise. It gets more like, oh, God's awesome, and I'm fascinated with God. But I think I, think I can pull it together here and, and give this sermon. But, uh, yeah, I want to talk to you about avoiding toil and finding rest. We've been on this sermon series called Salt and Light. Uh, today is the last day of that sermon series. Talked to ways about um, kind of the posture that Jesus had of how he was salt and light, of how he got into society, brought change, and brought impact. As Christians, it's not our goal to get people out of the world. It's our job to get into the world, add flavor, add clarity, make, a, make everything around us better. And in this journey, you really start to learn, like, man, God really believes in us. God actually thinks a lot of us were his plan to be salt and light. He called us salt and light of the earth. I, um, it, it's pretty amazing when you think about how much he believes in us. Like, we're plan A, 
There is no plan B. We're on earth to change the planet and to steward it. God's, God's not looking for someone else. It's you and I. We are called to bring heaven to earth. We are called to bring massive impact. He believes in us a lot. He thinks that we can save nations. It's quite, quite, a, quite a statement. He thinks that we can make earth look like heaven. Like he, when you start thinking about how much he's entrusted us and what he's entrusted us with, it's pretty amazing. There's a quote that I love. It says that I got saved when I believed in Jesus, but I was transformed when I realized he believed in me. And when you start understanding that God actually really values you and, and when you're a part of this plan and if you understand your value, you start thinking differently about the kingdom. Like, wow, like God, God has put me in position to bring change and impact to wherever sphere of influence that you're in. And you're his best option. But in this context of being salt and light, it's really easy to fall into something which the Bible calls toil. We're going to just unpack that. Um, it, in the Christian life, if you're going to accomplish things and work really hard, there's this one downside to something, and it's called toil. We're today, again, avoiding toil and finding rest. So I'm going to read to you um, Genesis 3, verse 17 through 19. But um, look at that big old TV there with that verse. So I love it. Um, okay. Adam and God, in the, in the beginning, go back all the way to the beginning of creation, Adam and God would hang out. And Adam, would, Adam and God would talk about taking dominion. They would talk about how to rule and reign over the Garden of Eden. God would meet with Adam in the cool of the day, and they would work together, or God would give Adam assignments, and Adam would go out and accomplish those assignments. For example, there's, um, there's stories where it talks about how God would take Adam, show him all the animals, and Adam would name the animals. God would, Adam would put the nature of that animal into existence. God was teaching him how to rule and reign over the Garden of Eden. I think it's important to notice that the closer that Adam got to God, the more they did together. Adam was not in a rush to do nothing. Adam and God were building something together. You were designed to build. You were designed to create. You were designed to design. The closer you get to God... That doesn't make you more lazy, I promise. That he's trying to put more responsibility on you in a good way because he wants you to build things. The natural desire of the believer is to build something, to design something, to create something. And Adam and God would do that. So before sin and before the fall, Adam and God were building together. So in God's perfection, he likes co-laboring with us and building things together. I love that. I feel very close to God whenever I'm building things. So in his perfection, they're building things, and Adam made a mistake. God put two trees in the garden because he values our choice. God doesn't like restricting choices from us. God likes giving us choice. In perfection, before sin, there was two trees in the garden, and there was two options to choose from. I love that about God. He doesn't constrict choice. He gives more choice. 
And then we get to steward our choices. Same, same thing with our children. We want to give them options, and they learn how to make wise decisions. And Adam bit the fruit from the tree, which God said, don't, don't bite from, don't, don't take any of this fruit. And Adam did it. And because of that, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, there was a curse that came with it. And this is part of it. So God said to Adam, uh, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curses the ground because of you through painful toil. And when say toil, through painful toil, you will eat food from it. All the days of your life, it, life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Go back one more, Michael. Uh, to one more. Uh, curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from its fruit. All of a sudden, this word toil comes about. There's some the translations that say the ground is now going to fight back at you. Adam, the same way that we were working before, we're going to work the same way. But now the ground's going to fight back with you. Now toil entered into the world. Um, the definition of toil is long, strenuous, fatiguing labor, struggle, struggle or battle. God, we forgive Adam. I'm just joking. We, we would all have done the same thing. So the 100% reality is that all of a sudden a curse is now upon man that when we work, it's going to come with toil. That's 100% true. Okay, but Jesus came and redeemed us back to the original plan. So in Adam's perfection, him and God, they worked and built things together, worked hard to build things together. Adam sinned, and then toil entered into it. And then Jesus came, doesn't want us to be from to in toil, and took it back to the original creation. So we now get the choice of living in toil or not in toil. Let me give you some verses on how Jesus did that. Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hung on a pole. He became the curse and died for us in our place so we don't have to live under that curse. This is uh, Romans 5, verse 17. For if the trespass of the one man, Adam... Death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? So when death and toil came through Adam, how much more life would come through Jesus? And I'll read this one, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. I want you to just see this here. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The Bible goes as far as calling Jesus the second Adam. Trying to illustrate to us so much the redemptive nature of Jesus. He calls him the, the second Adam, the second uh, redeeming everything back to what, what Adam lost. Now he, he brings it back. Okay, now that's 100% true, but you and I have a choice. You can look at it like here's our two trees in the garden. We get to choose to align ourselves with God and get back to the place of original creation of working with God through rest, or we get to choose on our own accord and our own labor to fall into toil. And it's completely up to us. So what does it look like to build with God, to work really hard, but not fall into toil? It looks like living and rest. And that's what we're going to 
we're going to unpack that more and more today. So God, I pray that we would be a community that understands how to live from rest, that we would be a community that st- avoids toil and runs into your rest, that we stay aligned with who you are. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My first job out of college was with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and it was awesome. I, w- I was one of those guys who full suit on washing a car in South Louisiana in 125-degree weather. And uh, I was so bought in, it didn't even bother me. I, like, absolutely loved doing it. I graduated from school, just had a basic degree, didn't know what I wanted to do, and I heard about the management training program at Enterprise. So I dove all the way in. I mean, I went headfirst into into Enterprise. I don't know how it runs anymore. This was, like, 15 years ago, but... Um, at the time, which I, th- I still think it is, they, they train you in a lot. I tell young people, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know your next steps, go work at Enterprise for a year. It really does teach you a lot. I learned a lot. It was a really good job. Um, but they would, they would do these rewards uh, dinners, like banquets, like once a month. If you individually did a really good job, you got awarded for it every month. Well, I'm young and excited and ready to win. And so I just thought, I, I'm going to... I'm going to work as hard as I can to win as many awards as possible. And, um, you know, at Enterprise, you, you've probably all rented a car. You sell, if someone comes in, they want a small car, you upsell them into a bigger car, or you sell them damage waivers. Actually, not insurance. It waives you from having to use your insurance, for like a rocket's the windshield or something. I was really good at selling that stuff. I was an insurance salesman and quick transactions. Um, as I got older and found myself, I realized I was actually really manipulative and uh, controlling people into buying stuff. Uh, but uh, I, was, I was really good at the game. But I learned how to start working really hard, but I fell into a couple traps. Again, young, figuring this out. No one said this to me. This was not my leadership's fault at all. I started getting into my mind and taking on the perception of if I drive myself into the ground working really hard, everyone around me will think I care more and I'll add more value. Or the people above me, that they'll see what I'm doing and they'll promote me. They didn't ask me to do that. I took that on myself and I began to do that. And what happened is I got bitter and offended that people weren't seeing how hard I was working. I was doing something they weren't asking me to do. You know, one year in, I'm like, they're not promoting me enough. I'm not getting enough recognition, and and I'm I didn't talk to them about it because I was young. But they're I'm sure they're thinking you're you're doing things I'm not asking you to do. And just just think about that with God. It's possible to do a lot of stuff He's not asking us to do, and and I became bitter. I, I became bitter because I wanted something from someone in authority for me that they weren't asking for me. So I was looking for affirmation that they didn't want to give me because that, that was out of bounds from what they wanted. The second thing that happened is I realized I'm going to start working for the weekend. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's working for the weekend, that 80 song or something. Um, I thought, I'm going to start, I'm going to drive myself into the ground, and then I'm going to escape for two days. I'm going to drive myself into the ground, and then I'm going to escape for two days. I'm going to work as hard as I can, and they're all going to see it, and I'm going to escape for two days. And this mindset I fell into was, I'm working to exhaust myself, and then I get filled back on the weekend. 
I'm running myself into the ground, then I get filled back on the weekend, working on complete exhaustion the whole time. And I, I learned throughout that journey of how to start managing myself better. But think about those two things. It's really easy where, where you're, you're, you're functioning from exhaustion. You run yourself into exhaustion, and then you try to pick yourself back up. You see, here's the thing. It's in the kingdom, we're not working to rest. We're working from rest. We're moving at a pace with God, functioning in rest. My soul's in rest, and I'm moving at a healthy pace as God moves. I'm not exhausting myself and then looking to escape. And I'm not just running around crazy. Hopefully, he gives me a pat on the back. Neither one of those things make him happy. He, he's, he's looking for people to move at a cadence with him. I'm not, I don't have a checklist so I can start living in rest. I am functioning from rest the whole time with God. Amen? All right, let's, let's talk about work ethic for a second. Kingdom work ethic. Um, if you've picked Christianity because you don't want to be held responsible for things, you're in the wrong religion. If you've picked Christianity because you think it's just a giant vacation, you have picked the wrong one. If you are looking for... Um, a really simple religion, this isn't the one. I mean, we're talking about the, this is the religion where Jesus is like, hey, if you want more of me, you have to die. He, he's asking us to surrender our life to him to be a Christian. And th that's a really big deal. Like, it's not, oh, Christianity, I'm not held responsible for anything. It's not Christianity, I'm not going to have to work hard. It's the exact opposite. Jesus, over and over, modeling for us how much the gospel demands from us. Like, I'm the goodness of God guy. I want to sit up here and cry and talk about God's consuming fire all day. But, but the reality is there's, there's a lot that he's put on us that he's expecting a return from. He, he's, this, isn't, this isn't do whatever you want. He, he's expecting a lot from us. I'm going to read to you this verse. Luke 9, verse 62. Um, Jesus is gathering disciples. He's gathering people to go do the work. People are going to go on a mission trip, and people start. He can feel that people are kind of in and kind of out, and this is Jesus. He says this. He says, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's to be, go, go read that story. Actually, the man says, Hey, I'd like to go bury a family member. And that's Jesus' response. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm looking for people who are 100% bought in. I have, have people work for me. I've had people work for me in the past. And when they're kind of bought in, kind of doing what they're supposed to do, it doesn't work. And God's saying, like, hey, like, are you in or are you out? When you put your hand to the plow, keep going. Don't look back. Maybe try, I don't know, think through it all. He's looking for people who are 100% bought in. And it requires a lot from us. This is, this is, guys, I need you, this is, you're going to work really hard. Christianity, you're going to, you're, I need to accomplish a lot. I have a lot of plans for you. Christianity is not the religion where your feelings tell you what to do. What God says is what you should do, and you align your feelings with that. I'm, I'm all for emotions. I'm all for feelings. That's for another sermon between you and God. In this context, your feelings don't matter. <laughs> he, 
they don't. He's literally saying like, I, I, this is a militant move. I, I, when you start, I need you to move. Keep going, work hard. This is not gonna be the most easy thing. This is, he's requiring a lot from us. We just did a men's retreat, which was awesome by the way. Who, who, who was there? Guys, there's a secret bond amongst us now. It was great. And in uh, multiple conversations with a lot of the guys, a lot of guys former milita- military and the service and stuff, and said, man, we just, we're starting to, there's this thing in men, it's in women too, I just went to a men's retreat, so it's this thing in men, we want to be bought into something, we want to work to build something, and that's God in us. Like, I want to be a part of something, but we are building something together, and that, that this is it. Christianity honestly is this like man I'm literally giving up my life for this. I'm I am dead now I'm alive because of this. I'm I'm sacrificing everything to be a part of something bigger than myself. Christianity requires that much. It, it's a big deal that we understand this isn't a toe in the water thing. This is an all in type thing. Okay. God values work ethic. Nothing in the gospel has laziness on it at all. Nothing. It is not a religion for lazy people. All right. What is the opposite of work ethic? It's being lazy. I don't know if I should say God hates laziness because it's not in the Bible. But sloth-likeness and people who don't work hard, he appears to have a hard time with that uh, (laughs) trait, I would say. God hates divorce and he hates lying. That's in the Bible, but... Anyway, God loves you if you're lazy and you don't have work ethic. He is not pleased with the return he's getting on his investment. Let's say it like that. Uh, God hates laziness. That's just better. Let's just say God hates laziness. and I'm just being funny. There's extreme scriptures on um, Jesus giving parables of people who don't work hard and try hard and steward. What they have gets taken from them. Now, his mercy is new every day, and his love is new every day. But you get, you get your chance tomorrow. But, but he's not okay with just being idle with what you've been given. He's, re- he's expecting a return on what he's given. This is what I was hearing all throughout sermon prep. Don't be in a rush to do nothing. I just I feel it's like this thing that gets on us. It's like I just it's the working for the weekend thing. Like I just want to I just I want to get to a place where I do nothing. If I keep responsibility off of me, then no one needs me. Like keeping responsibility off of you is not this is that's not the goal. The closer you get to God, the more He wants to put on you. Actually, He's looking for people who would be responsible for things. In His parables, the one that did well with what they were given, He put them in charge of more. When you when you learn how to steward, when you learn um, that 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 mindset, he wants to give you more. Don't be in a rush to have responsibility off of you. Don't don't be in a rush to live for a day where you have nothing to do. W- working with God at a healthy pace. Okay, so God doesn't like laziness, right? Obviously, and uh, God God really expects a lot from us. So what does it look like then? To live a life where we are being salt and light, accomplishing everything that God's put on our heart, changing a nation, changing a city, changing our workplace, and and not exhausting ourselves, 
and not running ourselves into the ground. And it's the, the posture of the mindset to take is all that's true. God has put a, that Christianity puts a demand on our life and he's expecting a lot in return. But everything we do should be from this place of rest. Jesus said to us, if you're heavy laden or you have a heavy burden, come to me and I'll give you rest. The, the entire Christian life should be done through a pocket and a posture of rest. Rest is not vacation. Rest is not laziness. Rest is not an opportunity to do nothing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living the lifestyle Adam and God were, living the lifestyle of Jesus, very diligent, very consistent, a lot of responsibility on him, yet functioning from a pocket of rest. I, uh, I have four kids. They're awesome. You know, I have a, Aria is my 10-month-old. And when I leave her alone and all the girls are in the house together, it's, they're just, they cannot not touch her. It's just like, we're just yelling at them, like, please don't knock her over. Please don't feed her a Lego. Like, we're trying to keep her alive, you know, just the whole thing. And when I, I go and get her and I put her on dad's lap, it's like, now she can rest. The chaos of older siblings trying to just attack her and lay on top of her. I get her, I put her on my, I put her on my lap, I face her out, and they all just stop. They know, like, okay, I, I can't feed her a Lego when Dad's around. Um, this, this pocket of rest is actually how, how it is in the kingdom. There are multiple places in Scripture that tell us that we are seated in a heavenly place. We are seated next to God in a heavenly place. So you can imagine the throne room. There's the Father. Jesus is next to the Father. And then we're seated next to them in a heavenly place. So when you're in a position of being uh, sitting down, you are not scared. You're not, de- you're not ready to defend yourself. You're at a place of rest. Your, your posture is resting. Our entire Christian life should be one of I'm resting and I'm sitting next to God to the two most powerful beings in the universe, sitting next to them, and that's how we're functioning in life. You, you see things differently when you're looking at it from his perspective. You're not, I'm not, here's the problem and there's God. It's here's me and God and there's the problem. And now I'm moving at, a, at his pace to fix the problem. You guys with me? Learning how to move at his pace, and it may be really fast, but I'm not getting outside of myself in this pocket. I'm not, why would I get out of the chair? See, like, we we think, like, I'm going to go do more, and maybe God will be happy. And God's like, man, just stay in the chair with me. Move when I move. Stay in this pocket of rest all the time. So we are called to extreme work ethic and extreme responsibility, but never stepping outside of the pocket of rest and learning how to manage our lives where I'm functioning. I'm not letting anxiety run my life. I'm not letting the fear of man run my life. I'm not letting outside circumstances dictate my pace. I'm moving at God's pace, and I'm staying at rest. Fear's not dictating me. God is. I'm, I'm moving at the cadence of God. Amen?
I want to close with this. I um, Jesus has this like three-page prayer in John and the teens, and he's praying to the Father, and it's amazing. It's like this this pages chapters of of red letters, and um, he says he says this word. He says he says, Father, I pray that you don't take them from the world, but you keep them from evil. Okay, the word there is actually the word toil. So think about this. This is Jesus in front of the disciples praying to the Father. Father, I don't pray that you take them out the world. I pray that you keep them from toil. Isn't that incredible? That's like, I'm just like, the, the word there, it's the same word as toil. So he's saying in the original language, Father, hey, don't pull them out of the world. They're salt and light. But I pray that you would just keep them from toiling, spinning their wheels. I pray that you would keep them from just being busybodies. But they would find rest in everything they do. Everything you put your hand to, to find rest to. I love that so much. I'm so glad that God's that way. Stay in the mess and live in rest. Presence of your enemies, I got a table for you. Surrounded in chaos, surrounded in opportunity to step outside of rest, stay in rest. The only thing we should be stressed out about is making sure we find and stay in rest. I am stressed out to stay in rest. I'm not stressed out about that situation. I'm making sure I'm sitting next to him and from this posture living my life. You guys with me? Cool. So it's this tension again, as I talked about last week. What we're, what, is, what we're called to be and what we're held responsible for is extreme. Yet the peace and rest we're called to walk in is equal. And moving at this pace and this tension with God the whole time. I, I can tell you, I know when I get outside of rest, I can feel it. And my soul's like, whoop, I got to, I stepped out some. I kept moving somewhere and he went another direction. Like, I need to, where's God? Because our, our efforts on our own, just, just, it's a treadmill. It just keeps us locked into this place of exhaustion. Are you guys with me? Did I do okay? Okay. I'm not, I'm being serious. I'm just, it's like 30% a little fuzzy in my head. <laughs> Which I love uh, so much. Um, Good, good. Okay, let's prophesy. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.